Father, we thank you for a chance to be here in your presence. God, that you would dwell among us today. We would hear from you, that we would see you. That you would reveal yourself to each of us. God, forgive us when we fail. You forgive us for walking away, for turning our sights against who you are. God, we love you. We thank you. Change us today. Change us today, Lord. We thank you. We love you. It's your holy name we pray. All God's people said, amen. All right, good morning. Thank you, Danny, for leading us. And thank you for wearing plaid, too. There's something about a worship leader in plaid, right? It just, it just adds a whole different dynamic. Thank you, band, for leading us this morning. Thank you for my friends in the back taking care of the technical things. Uh, we have a great church, and I'm honored to be here this morning. Hope you have had a happy New Year's so far this year. How's everyone's New Year's resolutions going? Okay, mine was to lose 10 pounds. Um, only 15 more to go, so we're in good shape there. I blame all the people who come to our house and bring queso. Doesn't really jive well with my New Year's resolution, okay? As you can tell, Lee's out this morning. I was asked to fill in. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. So Lee is in Hawaii at the moment, so be praying that he would get some relaxation there, that he wouldn't get too sunburned, that he would just enjoy some downtime. I have to admit, when he first asked me to fill in for him this morning, I was super excited initially, and every day I got a little bit more nervous, a little bit more nervous. Years ago, I was on staff at a church in Colorado, and I preached once a month, and it was not pretty starting out. I was incredibly nervous. In fact, our sanctuary was really small. We didn't even have a foyer, so during worship, on the Sundays I was preaching, I would sneak out of the back and just throw up come back in, and I was good to go. It was like, once I threw up, I was fine. I don't have to do that anymore. I just throw up in my mouth, swallow it, and we're good to go. It's just more, more manly that way, I guess. Hey, but glad you're here. Glad you chose to worship with us this morning. I can speak from experience as a father of four. Just getting here is probably the hardest thing, right? Sometimes just getting to church is the most difficult thing. God bless my wife. She gets them all ready by herself on a Sunday morning, so I feel like she just needs a round of applause. She hates that. I'll hear about that later. But yeah, the hardest part is just getting here, right? We can make a million excuses. It's too cold. We've got plans. Cowboys play at 12, right? And we can make excuses, but being here is important. Being here with God's people is important. And there's actually some research that supports the idea that just being at church on a regular basis does wonders for our mental health. I want to put a graph up on the screen this morning, and I want us to walk through it together. So this is a Gallup poll of the percentage of Americans that rated their mental health as excellent. All right, so I want to pay attention to how Things have regressed and some things have increased. So let's start at the top. The Republican Party people rated their health, mental health, 56% rated excellent, down to 41% in 2020. Okay? Democrat, 30 to 20 to 29. And you might say, oh, the Democrat have something going for them, right? Because it's only down 1%. Well, they just started really, really low, right? There wasn't, there's not much more 
room to go, but that's okay. But pay attention to what's highlighted. That's important. Church weekly, 42%. And what did it do for those of you who have good vision? Went up by 4% to 46%. But look underneath it, church monthly, 47% down to 35%. And church never, 42% down to 29%. Demographically, it doesn't change much either, or it, it goes down together. White, 45 down to 35. Non-white, 40 to 32. Married, it decreases. Not married, it decreases. And on the bottom, it says all age groups drop between 8 and 10%. If you made less than 40,000, down 6%. More than 40,000, down 12%. It's pretty interesting, pretty fascinating, right? The only subgroup that's up here that increased was people who go to church weekly. Now, what I'm not saying is if you just show up to church, your mental health is excellent automatically, okay? Don't hear me. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. There's many of us, including myself, that struggle with things like anxiety, right, or depression. There's no shame in that, okay? Just being here on Sunday morning doesn't fix it, right? Sometimes we have to go take extra steps. But the foundation for all of us, the foundation for a strong mental health and a strong life is Jesus. And where do we hear about Jesus most? at church on a regular basis, okay? I really wish this graph included people who serve within the body of the church, though. I think I have a feeling, maybe I'll do this study, that that number would increase as well. And that's what we're gonna talk about a little bit this morning. We're gonna talk and look at an example of someone who changed the course of history because of how they served, okay? Because of how they served. So I want you to turn to Acts chapter nine, And while you're getting there, I want to tell you a story about a farmer. This farmer had three sons, and it became the time of the year where they needed to to go toil in the dirt. They needed to go get ready um, to plant, to work the grounds, to plant the seeds. And the farmer goes to the first son and says, son, it's time to go to work. And the son said, dad, I really would. I really want to, but I'm just so busy right now. I've got all these things going on that pretty important and are pretty good things. Um, so I'm, I'm unavailable right now, okay? But maybe tomorrow, come back and find me and, and maybe I will be ready to go then. He says, okay, son. The farmer goes to the second son and says the same, same thing. Son, it's time to go to work. And this son says, dad, I really just don't feel like it. I really don't feel like getting out and, and working, I just, I'm just not in that kind of mood today. Maybe tomorrow something will change and, and I'll be ready to go then. So he says, okay, son. And he goes to son number three and says, son, it's time to go to work. And the son said, okay, father, here I am. Let's get going. Let's get out there and get to work. So they go out there and they work the fields. And while they're working, their relationship increases and, and, and strengthens and months down the road, it's time for the harvest. And the, this family liked to have a big celebration to celebrate a bountiful harvest. Um, a big party invited a lot of people. So they're getting ready for this party. The first son walks to the door. The father greets, them with, w- greets him with a hug and says, son, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Let me show you to your spot at the table. So he sits them down and the first son notices there's, there's just not a lot of food there, but he kind of just, you know, hangs out and chills, says, it's okay. Second son shows up at the door. The father greets him, says, 
son, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Let me show you to your spot at the table. And second son notices the same thing. Just, hey, there's not a lot of food in front of me. Looks around, notices there's more or less in other places, but kind of shrugs it off, says, oh, well, that's okay. The third son comes to the door and the father greets him the same exact way. Son, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. Let me show you to your spot at the table. And at his spot at the table, food is just, I mean, it's pouring out at his spot. There's so much food there. And the first two, the first two sons notice this and they get a little disgruntled. They go to the father and say, dad, don't you love us all the same? Why does he get more than we do? And the, sons, uh, the father says to all three of them, sons, there's nothing you can do to make me love you more or make me love you less. I love you so much. I love you the same. And then he looks at son one and says, but son one, I came to you and told you there was work to be done. You were willing, but you were unavailable. You reap what you sow. He goes to son two, he looks at son two and says, son, you were available, but you were unwilling. You reap what you sow. And then he looks at son three and says, son, son, you were available and you were willing. You reap what you sow. See, doing those things doesn't gain us entrance into the presence of the Father, right? We gain entrance. We, we can be in the presence of the Father because of what Jesus has done on the cross for our sins, right? But Jesus does say, store up treasures in heaven. And if you think about service, if you think about what qualifies us um, to be servants, it comes down to two pre prerequisites. You have to be available and you have to be willing. If you're available and you're willing, you can serve, okay? So let's start in Acts chapter nine, and this is gonna be a familiar story for most of us. We talk a lot about Paul, rightfully so, right? He wrote most of the New Testament. His conversion story is quite incredible. But I want you to pay attention to another character in today's, as we read Acts chapter 9, as we read the conversion story. I want you to pay attention to Ananias, okay? Um, Ananias was available and he was willing. And I want you to pay attention to the evidence of where you can see that he was available, where you can see that he, that he was willing. And if you're already kind of getting bored and, and just hang on for like 10 more seconds, I'm gonna give you the sermon in a sentence. You can write it down, you can take a nap, you can do whatever, but just hear this part, okay? The ser here's the sermon in a sentence. It is, the will, it is the available and willing that make a difference, okay? It is the available and the willing that make a difference. All right, so with that framework, let's read in, uh, starting in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to read for a little bit, and then we will break it down together. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sounds but did not see anyone. 
Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. So once again, this is a familiar story, right? We, we've read a lot in church, and we know a lot about the conversion of Paul. And Paul goes on to impact the world in a number of ways, right? He writes most of the New Testament. We still talk about him on a regular basis. But in this, so Paul was on his way to Damascus to, to do what? To the, to the Jews or to the, the new believers. He was going to persecute them, right? There's evidence in other parts of scripture that he uh, was responsible for, for killing a lot of the early people in the church. And there's this huge conversion story where he, the Lord comes to him and blinds him. He goes to this house and he goes to Ananias. Now, if Ananias was unavailable or unwilling, I'm curious what would have happened. Now, I'm a firm believer that if Ananias was going to be unwilling or unavailable, God was going to use someone else to fulfill his purpose, right? Because God's purpose, God's will, his mission is not gonna be thwarted by what we do. He is going to accomplish what he has spoken, what he has set out to do. But I want you to pay attention in verse 10. This is evidence that Ananias was first, he was available. How did he respond when God came to him and said, Ananias? He responded with, yes, Lord. There's something powerful about having the mindset of I'm gonna say yes, Lord, when he speaks. I'm not gonna say yes, Lord, but, or have these conditions, but when God calls me to do something, I'm gonna be available to do it. It's the power of yes, God. Verse 17, if you go a little bit further, I'll read it again. Then Ananias went to the home and entered it. Now, Ananias was skeptical. He was nervous, rightfully so at first, right? Can you imagine someone or God coming to you and say, hey, this person, hey, he's, he's killed a lot of people like you, um, but it's okay. I just want you to go lay hands on them and pray. I'd be nervous too, right? Ananias was nervous. He was nervous. And, and he even asked God, like, God, are you, are you sure? Like, am I hearing you right? 
is that what you really need me to do? Do you really want me to go lay hands and pray on this guy who's probably coming here maybe to kill me or take me to jail at least? But do you notice how patient God is? Can you just thank him in your own heart for being patient as you look back on your own testimony? He is so patient with us. In fact, flip over really quick to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Keep your place in Acts, but go to the right a few pages. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is writing to Timothy. In verse 15, he says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the most. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. His immense patience. I love that word, immense. So much patience. He showed Paul. He showed it to Ananias. And there's other parts in Scripture where if you look back in Judges, I believe, chapter 6, Gideon was going through the same thing. Right, God was calling him to do something, and he was really skeptical, and God was so patient. But before we can be willing, we have to be available. We need to be available and willing. And um, if you're anything like me, maybe God has put something on your heart to do, but, but you're unsure, like, is this really God speaking, or is this coming up from some kind of selfish, selfish ambition, or, or is this just a thought that has entered my head somehow? How do I know it's from God? I want to give you four ways, four things to do if you are wondering, is this really God speaking to me? Okay, the first thing is quite simple. Go to Scripture. God's never going to tell you something that contradicts what he's already spoken in Scripture, right? God is not going to come to you and change and say, hey, I, re- I spoke this thousands of years ago, but I-, I don't know what I was thinking, so this is a new thing I want you to do. That's not how God works, right? God is eternal. He's steadfast. And if you look at Isaiah chapter 55, let me get there, 55 verse 10 it says, as the, rain and the, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So God's word is not going to return void. Okay, it's not going to contradict something he's putting on your heart. So that's step one. If God has placed something on your heart and you are wondering if, if, this, if it's from God, first we go to Scripture. The second thing to do, listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Okay, is it something that just doesn't go away? It just keeps coming up, keeps coming up. You've already checked it against Scripture, and it lines up with Scripture, and it's still coming up. Be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Listen to how the Holy Spirit's prompting. Now, this requires a relationship, right? If you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit or a consistent relationship, you might miss something. If you uh, think back to the, the story I opened up with, the third son went out and he worked. And while he was working, his relationship strengthened, right? If my wife and I don't talk for weeks and weeks and weeks, we, there's a rift that grows between us. If I want a healthy marriage, it requires me to communicate. It requires me to, uh, to share with her. 
But if I'm not listening, I'm going to miss something, and we're going to have issues, right? We're going to have issues. So being in tune with the Holy Spirit, listening to the Holy Spirit's prompting requires a relationship. But that's the second thing to do. I'm gonna, uh, let's see, John chapter 16. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I have much, he's talking to his disciples. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So if you want to know what Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit's going to do that, okay? And I believe it's um, a little bit earlier in that chapter, Jesus says the Holy Spirit's our advocate, our, our helper, right? When we're in need, the Holy Spirit's going to communicate with us from the Father, okay? So that's the second thing to do, listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. So if you've checked what's on your heart against Scripture and it checks out, if it's still consistent and, and it's, it's unwavering and the Holy Spirit's still prompting you, the next thing you can do is seek wise counsel. We all need to have people in our life that we can talk to, that we can discuss things with. If you look back in the, in the Garden of Eden, God said it is not good for man to be what? Alone, right? It's not good to be on an island by yourself. And if we think back to the graph, I think part of the reason there was an uptick of 4% in a mental health capacity for people who go to church weekly is because there's built-in community that way, right? You're going to rub elbows and talk with people who are going through the same thing as you, who are further along in the race and can speak wisdom to you, can speak guidance. So that's the third, third thing you can do is seek wise counsel. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse Five and six says, the wise prevail through great power and those who have knowledge muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage war and victory is won through many advisors. All right, so that's the third thing we do is seek wise counsel. And the final thing, the fourth thing you can do is ask yourself, is it for the good of the church or does it just benefit me? Okay, if God is speaking to you, he desires unity within the church, right? He desires his people to be on the same page. So if he's speaking, or if you think he's speaking to you about something, but it only elevates you, or it only benefits you, and it doesn't benefit the church, it's probably not from God. Because God wants to see his church be lifted up. He desires unity within the church. All through scripture, Jesus talks about it. In the Old Testament, it talks about it. Those who exalt themselves will be what? Humbled, okay? And those who humble themselves will be exalted. So if you think God is putting something on your heart, but it only exalts you, then going back to point number one, it probably goes against Scripture, okay? So that's the four things you can do. If you're wondering, is this from God? You can go to Scripture. You can listen to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Seek wise counsel and ask yourself, does it benefit the church or does it just benefit me? And once we determine that God is indeed speaking to us, we, we have to act, right? And this is where the availability and the willingness come into play. Um, Ananias's, uh, uh, sorry, Ananias's availability and willingness to be used by God impacted the course of history. 
okay, because he went, he was available and willing to go lay hands on Paul and pray over him. And Paul went on to do incredible things, missionary to a bunch of places and wrote most of the New Testament. And I think it's interesting. There's a lot of people in, in, our, in, our, in church culture in general across the world that want to be Paul, right? That want to be the guy that is seen as doing these great things. And the reality is not everyone's going to be a Paul. But we can all be an Ananias, right? We can all be someone who is, a, someone who is available and willing to be used by God. Because the reality is we have no idea who is going to be impacted by the way we serve, right? Bill, can I use you as an example this morning? I think you'll be fine. No, you can stay right there. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna share. So Bill was one of the first people I met when I came, started doing my site visits. And so, so Bill, from my understanding, you have been, played a lot of, of roles in the AVL part of the church and you've served with joy and I don't know if you've noticed, but, but Bill has been a part of the choir the last several weeks, right? And I got to sing next to Bill this morning, and it just made, made my heart so joyful to see how you are available and willing to be used by God in that capacity. Yeah, that's right. And now, now listen, it's very easy for us to say, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just doing this. I'm just, I'm just cleaning in the foyer. I'm just changing diapers in the nursery. I'm just sharing, you know, I'm just, I'm just talking to people. But the reality is we don't know how God's going to use that, right? We, someone may be here this morning and just saw Bill's joy as he was singing, and that person might be someone like Paul, right, who says, you know what, I need that. I want that in my life, and who knows what they're going to go do. Or it may just be another Ananias, right, that some, they see Bill singing or someone on the stage or, or someone changing their kids' diapers in the nursery and say, you know what, I, I, need, to, I need to do something like that. And there's this chain reaction of things that happen because somebody was just singing joyfully in the choir because somebody was available and someone was willing to be used by God. So thank you, Bill, for, for being that. And yeah, for sure. It's good. And now he said something as I was, as I was using him as an example. He said it's all for him, right? Once again, Bill's not exalting himself but those who humble themselves will be exalted. And if you heard me speak in Colorado, you know that I just try to get to the point and, and I don't say a, you know, a lot of fluff. So I'm gonna kind of wrap up with this. We talked, we said Ananias' availability and willingness to be used by God impacted the course of history. I, I think there's only one other time in Acts that Ananias was mentioned, but Paul a lot, right? He kind of led the way. But if you're unavailable and you're unwilling to be used, if you're unavailable and you're unwilling, it's kind of hard to, to serve, right? Would you agree? Kind of hard to be used by God if you're unavailable and you're unwilling. But if you're available plus being unwilling, same problem. It's kind of hard to be used by God. If you're available and you have the time to do it, but you're unwilling to do it, kind of hard to be used by God, kind of hard to serve. Or if you're unavailable, but you're willing, same problem. You can be willing till the cows come home, but if you're not available to do it, it's kind of hard to serve. But it is the available and the willing that make a difference that can impact the course of history. And this might sound harsh, but if, if you're familiar with 
Revelation chapter three, where Jesus said, you're lukewarm, so I spit you out of my mouth, right? I think it's interesting. He says, you should be hot or you should be cold. And when I became a Christian, I always thought that meant just like, don't ride the fence. But along the Roman roads, there were the aqueducts, okay? And some pools of water were really hot and some pools of water were really cold. The hot water was used for medicinal purposes and the cold water was used for refreshment or other purposes as well. They were both useful. But if you're lukewarm, you can't really be used for medicinal purposes, right? And it's not like, I'm not a huge fan of just drinking room temperature water, right? I would like it to be cold. So God is saying, you're not useful. Now, does he still love us? Absolutely, because our, our relationship with him, what Jesus did on the cross is what makes us right with God, not what we do, right? We can't do enough to earn our salvation. It is by grace that you have been saved, not by works, so no one can boast. But the reality is we can all store up treasures in heaven by being used by God, by serving in some capacity. So I wanna leave you with some action steps. The first one is examine ways to be willing and available. It's pretty simple. Think about if, if you're in the camp that is unavailable, what can you do to be available? And I've learned over the last few years that being available means saying no to a lot of things so I can say yes to the right things. There's a lot of good things that I really, I really want to do. There's a lot of areas that I want to be a part of, but I know that if I spread myself out too thin, then I'm going to have a hard time impacting where God has really called me to serve. Okay, so saying no to a lot of things, but saying yes to the right things. So examine ways to be uh, available, but also if, if there's something in your heart that's causing you to be unwilling, examine that too and take inventory and ask God to help you deal with that, okay? So that's action step one, examine ways to be willing and available. Number two, address the things that are holding you back. What's holding you back from being available? Are you saying yes, like me, to everything? Or are you, is there something in your heart going on that's causing you really just not, not wanting to be a part of the church or serve in some capacity, address those things and ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our helper to help you deal with it. And number three, pursue what God is putting on your heart. There might be something that's coming to your mind right now that God has really put on your heart to serve. And maybe our church is not even doing it, right? And maybe something outside the church, it may be with an organization, it may be wherever. What is God putting on your heart? and you've checked those four things and you know it's from God, well, it's time to take a step. It's time to pursue it. That might mean taking a big step of faith and doing something drastic so you can pursue what God has called you to do. But I think there's many people here today that can testify when you step out in faith, even if it's a big step, God does amazing things, right? God does incredible things. Okay, so examine ways to be willing and available address the things that are holding you back and pursue what God is putting on your heart. And you might be here today and this is speaking to you, but the reality is before you can even be available and before you can be willing, you need to have a relationship with God, okay? And I don't want you to hear what I'm saying as, all right, if I, if I just plug in and I do all these things, then, then I can have right standing with God. That could not be further from the truth. What gives us right standing with God is giving our lives to him, acknowledging what Jesus did on the cross for our sins, accepting it and living under that faith. And 
I've bought the lie many times that I, I really need to clean myself up before, before I can make that decision, or I really need to clean myself up before I can approach God and give my life to him. I struggle with that a lot when I first became a Christian. And I'll end with this story. And Abby is five now, and she's going to hate this story when she's older, but it's a, it's a good example, I think. So we were living in Colorado, and Abby was probably a little bit over a year old or, or somewhere around there. And my wife was, was gone with friends or something, and I was just home with Abby, and we were having a good time. And she went through this stage where all she wanted to do was eat corn and blueberries. That's all she wanted. And it worked wonders uh, later on that day. So she was just, I was like, I mean, it's vet, fruit and vegetables, right? Just She can have as much as she wants. It's fine. So I lay her down for her nap. And she's a pretty good napper. All of our kids are. And she was napping, but she started just kind of fussing and crying. And I, and I gave her some space. And I finally realized that there was something not right. So I get close to the door and I open it. And it's like this, this smell just like punched me in the nose. And I was like, oh, no, something, something bad has happened. And I look in her crib and it's everywhere. There is poop everywhere. And, I, and I'm not exaggerating. Like it was all over the mattress. It was like, she was like painting, doing murals with it on the wall. And I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? And, but what stopped me in my tracks was all she did when she, when, when she saw me was lift her hands up and said, daddy, that's all she did. She knew that there's no way she can clean herself up. And as a father, how good of a father would it have been to say, you know what, Abby, you really need to get it together. Okay, get it together, clean yourself up, and then we can talk. But that's not how our God is, right? Our God meets us in it. Our God cleans up the mess we've made, the mess of sin, the mess of, of shame, and he cleans it up. And that's the only way to be clean. So if you're here this morning and you say, these are good thoughts, but I, just, I gotta do some work in my own life, that's not true. God is a good father. He will clean you up. He will give you right standing with him. And then he'll put on your heart how you can serve and be a part of his church. Okay, so that's step one. Before you can be available, before you can be willing, you need a relationship with him. And once again, doing all the good things, doing the right things, being available, being willing, that's not gonna gain you entrance into heaven. It's only by the blood of Jesus that you can gain entrance into heaven, okay? So I'm gonna pray for us. And if, if that's you this morning and, and you want to talk with about that, you wanna talk with someone, how, how do I do it? How do I give my life? I want, I, want to, um, I want to live for God and I want to have salvation in him. Come and talk to me, okay? I'll be here after church. I'll be here on the front row during worship, during this last song. Come and talk to me. Fight that, that resistance of, oh, what are people going to think about me? What are people going to think that I'm going up to pray, that I'm going up to ask God into my heart? Don't let that hinder you because that's not from God. That's from the enemy, okay? If the enemy can keep you in your seat, when, you, when God wants you here, he's done his job, okay? He'll, he wants to convince you that, hey, it's okay. We can deal with this when we get home. You can talk to him when you get home. But if he's putting it on your heart now, come and do it now, okay? So the altar's gonna be open. The band's gonna go ahead and, and come back up. The altar's gonna be open. If you wanna come pray, do that. If you wanna come talk to me about what it looks like to give your life to Jesus, come do that, okay? Let's pray.
God, you are holy. You are good. You are such a good father. And the reality is we don't, we don't deserve the grace and the mercy you have shown us, God. But thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross in our place, for dying a death that, that we deserved and giving us right standing with God. We know now that we can approach your throne, God, because what Jesus has done, and we can approach it with confidence. So thank you for being good to us. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal to us how you wanna use us, help us to examine ways to be available, ways to be willing. And we pray, Lord, that revival would come here, that revival would come to Alito, Texas, that it would come to our country and that our world and that every corner, every to the ends of the earth, people would know, Jesus, that you are the savior, would know, Jesus, that you are the mighty king and that salvation is found in you alone. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Our ushers are gonna come forward. If God's putting something on your heart, deal with it.